Selinda, we appreciate you both being here. Such good input. You're welcome. Anytime. Such good input. There's no sarcasm there. These ladies do not ever sarcastically say anything to me. Never. Ever. We always agree Mm -hmm. on every single case, Mm -hmm. how to handle everything that we do Mm -mm. at the Children's Advocacy Center. Very professional. Here's what I'd like to continue. So leading up to this series... Episode. Part three, episode, right. whatever you want to call it. We, on our Facebook page, we advertise that we're going to be talking about sex abuse awareness. And we're doing our, our very best to educate all the listeners as to how this process works, things to expect, uh, players involved that will assist you along the way. But we did have someone reach out to us. And as we talked about in, in part one and part two, even for this individual to reach out to us and have this question for the law enforcement side, I'm, I'm going to open it up because her questions actually apply to all of us. And I applaud her for even having the courage to reach out to us and have these questions because it sounds like this individual is, um, whether she's doing it for herself or, or someone uh, that she loves, there's courage in that and even reaching out and contemplating whether to report something. But this individual wrote in to us and had a few questions that I'd, I'd like to have all of us uh, answer and address for her. So she mentioned in, in the text that she was curious if a child was molested at age four to six, if that child decided to turn that person in around 30 years later, what would be the likelihood of the individual getting convicted and would it require an attorney and would the victim be responsible for that? I can jump in. I can answer it. Um, I'm going to open it up for all of us. Cam, you want to hit on the, the law enforcement side? And, and really, we can give advice. Yeah, so the first thing I want to hit on, uh, first and foremost, is the biggest thing that the state law enforcement in general, especially ones that specialize in this, um, as well as Uh, our partners in these investigations. Um, We do not want to do what in law enforcement, at least we call it is victimize the victim. So if you were um, sexually assaulted and we turn around, we're like, okay, we'll look into it. Now it's going to cost you 200 bucks an hour for an attorney. That's not a thing. So um, the attorney question, you do not need to worry about that. So state's going to have attorneys, prosecuting attorneys, what we refer to them as that would be investigating or um, doing those trials for you. Um, and, and that wouldn't come out, at a, out of a cost of, of someone who comes forward for something like this. Um, as far as the, the delayed disclosure, like we talked about in the, the first couple episodes with you two, um, delayed disclosures are very common. Um, And I would encourage you to reach out to law enforcement uh, if you are willing to um, come forward and talk about it. I wouldn't I reach out to them. Every state's got different what we refer to as statute of limitations. Um, And there can be a little bit of. There could be some weirdness that goes with that state to state. And that's why we would encourage anybody that's listening to this. uh, 
whatever state you live in, and, and that goes with Jane, we will call her Jane, um, whatever state you live in, educate yourself on what the statute of limitations would be for that type of a sex offense, which um, it's going to be a sex offense against a child, and so you look into exactly what those statute of limitations are to see whether you're still able to prosecute it. I think for the majority of states nationwide, anything that happens to a child um, is switching toward a lifetime. But again, I can't speak yeah. for state to state. I, and, don't, I don't know every state. And I'd still reach out to law enforcement because you might read something and it's been amended since and you found the old article that, that talks about it. And the other thing to think about as well is maybe this person has done it to multiple people. You and I have both worked delayed disclosures. Um, and if you want to go more into yours, uh, that's cool. Um, but we've worked delayed disclosures where some people have come forward in those cases where we, they are outside of the statute of limitations and we can't use them as far as a, an additional charge on this perpetrator, but there was multiple victims and they were able to be key witnesses to assist that this person has a pattern of behavior that they are doing. Um, this witness who did not ever meet this other victim had almost the exact same thing happen to him, how, how the suspect um, groomed um, the victim or the different, uh, the, the different people willing to come forward. And to answer the, the other portion of that question, it, it's really difficult. What would be the likelihood? I've been doing this for over five years. I, I've had cases from it happened last week and all the way up to it happened over 20 years ago. My encouragement to anybody who has found enough courage to come forward and report it, we always encourage to report. And we have talked a lot about it, everybody at this table. Reporting can be very therapeutic. And so we will always, always encourage someone to report it if they feel comfortable doing so. That's a very individual um, situation. You have to look inward. Are you ready? Are you ready to tell your story? Again, we're always going to encourage that. Here's what I can say, especially because it's associated with decades. I, the, the oldest case that I have ever made an arrest on was over 20 years old. And it started with, she was at that point an adult female but it occurred when she was uh, 10 years old. And so to come forward, what I remember about that interview and when I was interviewing her, the amount of detail and the amount of uh, raw emotion and everything that she remembered about the abuse and how many times that it occurred, she honestly was talking as if it occurred yesterday or um, very recent. And so the believability was never an issue with me. It, I took it upon myself to say that she found the courage to come forward. She finally reported it. It's now my responsibility to put together the best case that I possibly can. And I worked hard on that case, and we were able to find more victims. 
But my answer uh, to Jane is even 30 years, there's, there's a chance. There, there, the likelihood, it's very difficult for me to answer that. The likelihood of prosecution, it depends on what type of a case can be put together. It depends on how much that detective is going to be able to corroborate the statements made within an interview. Um, and so I can't give really a percentage, oh, there's a 50% chance of prosecution or there's a 75% chance. But I think everybody at this table would agree, Jane, if it is you, we would encourage you to report it. Would you all agree? Absolutely. So let's transition a little bit into what we're seeing a little more nowadays. We're in this digital era. Um, there's a, a very real issue um, that we're seeing with cell phones, social media, pornography. Um, there's, there's ways for kids to access phones um, all over. So real quick on, on my perspective of it on patrol, um, kids, kids have access to phones. If you think about it, I mean, we upgrade our phones every once in a while. What do you do with your old phone if you don't trade it in? It goes in your junk drawer at home, something like that. Your kid sees it. You don't ever touch it. Kid takes it to school, gives it to a friend who now uses it as Wi-Fi. And the parents of that friend thought their kid did not have a phone, but now they've got a phone. There's Wi-Fi just about everywhere. Um, and they're able to create all these social media things. And because you don't think they have a phone, there's no way you can keep up on them and track them. Now, I'm not saying that means go give your kid a phone so you can track what they're doing. It's a, it's a very tough age to be a parent with this type of stuff. And I kind of like to open up to, to all of you guys, Matt, your investigations going through phones, Brooke, you talking with kids about some of the stuff they're, they're seeing on phones. And then Celinda, how, how are parents asking you about phones or, or what to do and, and where do they go? Cause it is, it is, there's no easy answer for this. I think on, on my end, I'm going to kind of expand on, on the question a little bit because it's not just the kids that are getting, getting into these phones, accessing apps that's opening up a conversation with a predator out there. It also brings bullying. It also brings what we know as sexting. There's a lot of different things that kids will find on a phone. But to me, the big issue in society, especially when it comes to sex abuse, not just with kids, is the access of pornography. That's what I see constantly, mm -hmm. constantly. If I had enough probable cause to draft a warrant for a suspect's phone, it, it does, it's not even like a percentage. I always find some type of pornography on my suspect's phones if I'm able to get into them. And again, what I mean by that is, do I have probable cause? Has the investigation led me to a point where I can draft a warrant, send it off to a judge, the judge approves it, I go back, I seize the phone, and we do an electronic analysis of it. I don't think I've ever had a suspect phone where there's not pornography in it. And so the question... There's a lot to that question. Mm -hmm. Kids are obviously being thrown into the technology age. And with technology age, 
you're just a button away from um, having another child send you images of themselves. Maybe you asked for them. Maybe you didn't ask for them. And this plays in so many different uh, cases that I could go on and on and on and on. But again, the common link that I find with all my cases, whether it be the suspects or some type of predator reaching out to the children, pornography, it's all, it's all a part of it. And that could lead children into a situation where they are not ready for. Right. And I'm going to jump in on that and I'm going to go even before that. Um, I have parents that come into our, our center all the time and um, we don't allow phones in the forensic interview. So either Slender or myself will ask the child to leave their phone out. And it's funny to me because they will say, some kids are like, well, I don't want my parents to have access to my phone or I'm going to lock it or I'm going to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. My standpoint is as a parent, you should have your kids passcode. You should know what's on their phone. You should be checking their phone. You should know who they're talking to, what they're talking about, and what they're looking at. Because, I mean, our jobs as parents is to teach our kids how to handle what they're given to become productive members of society. And so if we're going to give them a smartphone, which basically gives them access to everything that you just described, we need to teach them the appropriate way to handle that access and the appropriate way to use all of those apps and converse with others appropriately. So, um, I mean, I think I I have actually heard some parents say, well, that's my child's phone and I want to give them their privacy. They have a right to privacy. They have a right to privacy. And what I tell them is you're their parent and you have to teach them how, how to function in this social media world, whether you know or not. Like there are people out there who are going to prey on your child. So you need to have access to, like I said, who they're talking to and what they're talking about and what they're looking at. Because like you said, it's, yeah. it's there. It's it, there. Well, it, it's, it's out there. I mean, it is everywhere. I know both of you have heard me. I know Cam has heard me say it. Uh, when I'm talking with parents, I will always avoid, I, I'm never going to come out and, and I actually tell them, I'm not going to tell you how to parent. It's not my responsibility as a detective to tell you right. how to handle your kids. But I will always give my viewpoint. This is something that I commonly see. I have had parent after parent sit in front of me and say, how did this happen? I, I, I check my kid's phone. You have to educate yourself and you have to continue to educate yourself. These kids are so smart with their phones these days. And if you're not educating yourself on the apps that your kids are downloading, then you're not going to know what to check for. Right. That's really what it comes down to. It's the constant education because the kids are constantly educating themselves on how to use it because they're on their phones hours and hours and hours and hours. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just having the discussion about body safety from a young age, talking about internet safety from a young age is really important. Parents commonly tell me um, 
well, they're too young to talk about that kind of stuff. We know that most children now are exposed to pornography by the age of eight. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Like, if you're not talking to your kids about body safety, about pornography, about what that can do to them, to their relationships, um, from the very beginning of their life. They're not going to know how to handle it when they come across it. Right. And and, and it can be age-appropriate. Sure. <laughs> you don't need to go into... Detail. <laughs> right. You don't need to, you know, give them the whole world when they're four. You can start with age-appropriate things. Um, one of the things that we see all the time is that children start viewing pornography at an early age, and then it becomes not enough just to watch it. That's with everybody. That's anymore. with the suspects as well, and that's the point that I was making. It's everywhere out there. It's right. not just with the kids. Because even with the suspects, it, it starts with a certain type of pornography. Right. But then it's not enough. Right. And so then they transition, and not every person who views pornography transitions, you know, into sure. um, perpetrating. But it is pretty common for younger children, especially when they've been exposed at such a young age, to transition into other acts. Yeah. You bring up good, uh, something really good um, as far as, you know, I think some people think that if they don't talk about it with their kids, then their kid will never learn it. Um, and the issue we we see is then what happens is they have to try to learn and go through it on their own. Or through friends. Because if you think about, like, I like to play, like, I'll scroll through social media and there'll be those little games that pop up. And they're free games because there's ads. But then the ads kind of, you know, can add some, you know, sexual leading types of games off of those games, you know, and it's, it's something so, so simple as that. And one thing I think, um, Brooke, that you brought up as, as far as knowing what your kids are doing and watching and seeing is important. Cause I remember there was a time when there was a, a movie that came out called sausage party. Mm-hmm. It's animated, right? Sure. But I had, one of your cases. And it was, yeah. I dealt with like on that specific case, there was like, five to six kids all involved in all of the incidents kind of started because of this movie sausage party. And for those of you who aren't aware, it's an animated movie. It almost seems like it's supposed to be kid related. So parents would walk by, see their kids watching watching a cartoon. cartoon, They'd be like, okay, cool. But the whole thing is sexual related and it, it caused quite a bit of issues. So kind of staying on top of, of that and, and Matt, I don't know that we've ever talked about it on here, but you specialize in investigating internet crimes against kids as well. And uh, one thing I want parents to understand is just because they're on a game console does not mean they can't find some trouble on there. Those do have access to the internet. Um, There's game chats. There's all sorts of stuff on there that we have seen that leads to this type of stuff as well. Yeah, predators... They pick up on these kids wherever they can. And, you know, 
what, 20 years ago, it used to be the park or the playground or, you know, a sports team or whatever, but now it's, um, it's advanced and it's through the PS4, the Xbox. Hey, here's my uh, number. Let's start talking. Let's start texting each other or instant message, instant message. And so it's it's a lot. I I don't even know what the word is that I'm looking for. It's, it's advanced, I guess it is. But, um, and I mean, I definitely am not criticizing parents at all. I'm just encouraging parents to, you know, be involved. If your kids are going to have a phone because you need to be able to contact them, that's 100% reasonable. But just, you know, look at their phones, be involved, and you're completely justified in doing that. Um, Kids will tell you all day long, it's my phone, it's my privacy, but... um, it's not like be my I, and this is where opinions come in and like i said i would never tell another parent how yeah. to parent however it is my opinion and to be honest with you for over 5 years and what i've been investigating i think it's more than just an opinion it's an educated opinion with as many parents who have sobbed in front of me right. with as many kids and as uh, the amount of teenagers who have sobbed in front of me and have had their lives changed forever, really. Right. I am of the educated opinion, the free agency thing and the uh, they need to have their privacy is out the window with certain things. You can give your kid privacy when they're changing in their bedroom. Right. right? Or taking a shower. Or, exactly. Yeah. But there are certain things as a parent, the child's safety takes precedent over the whole they need to have their privacy. Right. I that's very well said. I couldn't agree more. Their safety comes first and really that's that's all I'm advocating for because there are predators out there and they're smart and they're manipulative, they're charismatic and they're good at what they do. They're very good and Cam had mentioned it. I am a part of a proactive unit um, that actively looks for those online predators. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they are very crafty in how they try to hook you in. Um, And I can't encourage parents enough. You will be behind the eight ball. And if you're not active in your child's life in terms of what they're viewing, what apps they're using, you will be surprised one day in terms of what they came across and what they were exposed to. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting in front of a detective saying, how did I get to this point? And where did I go wrong? I thought I was checking my kid's phone. It's more than just picking it up and thumbing through text messages and who called you and just the visible, what do I see as an app? If you're not familiar with that app and if you're not familiar with what you're looking at, you better educate yourself. Because if it's on your kid's phone, they know how to use it. You should as well. I think um, kind of one of the things that I wanted to touch on is how do you have this conversation with your child? Like, what do you say? I will tell you about my conversation with my child. I literally told him, I just said, like, pornography is basically a movie. It is people who are acting. It is not real life. The things you 
the things that they do, the things that they say, the way that they look. It is entertainment. And the other thing that I discussed with him was that if you have friends that want to show you what they've seen, I would ask you to say no. Because this pornography, viewing pornography, can affect how you view your future relationships, how you view your spouses, how you view your yourself. children and yourself in the future. Yeah. So it really is important to understand the impact that it can have. So that was kind of a conversation that I had. Well, I think, again, anybody that's listening, just understand it is so readily available to anybody out there. It's not just adults. Kids are being exposed to it earlier and earlier, like we heard uh, from Celinda saying that they'll be exposed by the age of eight, which is just crazy. Um, I, I want to go back just for a second, because one of the, the big things that we hear often are different terminologies for body parts. And I, I'm going to direct this to uh, Celinda and Brooke um, so we can close out this conversation. But from a, a, an investigative standpoint, when we're listening to the interview, and a child uses the terminology. We'll just give an example of one that we have heard quite a few times, the no-no square. From an investigative standpoint, the detective needs to know exactly what that child is talking about. And I have had questions directed to me saying, well, what would be a good age to have that conversation with my child as to body parts? What, the, what are the actual terminology um, for a penis, for a vagina. When can I talk to my kid about that? I have always encouraged them to kind of get a temp check of their child as to when they're understanding or being curious about their, uh, their body. And at that point, I always did it with my kids in terms of having that conversation at that moment. When I knew that my kids were having uh, those curiosity moments, I took it upon myself and my wife took it upon herself to teach our kids the proper terminology. And I want the listeners to understand that there is nothing wrong with teaching your child from an early age the proper terminology of a private body part so that they understand when you have those conversations about a penis and about a vagina um, or the buttocks that those are places that people shouldn't be touching that they understand and they use the proper terminology in saying this individual touched my buttocks, this individual touched my penis um, instead of hoo-hoo's and ha-ha's. We, we've, we've heard so many different, and again, I go back to, I'm not going to tell a parent to do this. If they feel more comfortable having the conversation of these nicknames for the body parts, that's up to the parent. Just understand from an investigative standpoint that calls for further clarification from the interviewer, right, Brooke? Yeah. We always have you go back and say, well, this isn't clear. We need you to go back in and clarify exactly what this child was talking about. Right, and it's not impossible to do that because there are so many kids that do use other terms, and and we can work around that. But, yeah, I completely agree. There's nothing wrong with teaching your child the anatomically correct names for those right. body parts. I think as a parent, talking about body parts, talking about sex, talking about pornography, 
is hard. It's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Um, So starting when they're young and just being able to even use that verbiage, in the beginning, it's difficult for it to come out of your mouth and not to feel... It, get, it gets easier. It does, 100%. It, it gets easier. I feel bad for anybody that comes to my house that's my son's friends because we talk about so much because I want them to be prepared. We exactly. talk about yeah. consent and we talk about... Yeah, I mean, definitely working in this field that makes it easier to talk about, I think. Right. Like, I have family members that, you know, they're the kids are older and so I'll, you know, I ask them, are you sending pictures that you shouldn't be sending? <laughs> or, you know, what are you talking about with your friends? Right. Like when, Or what happens if somebody asks you to send a picture? Yeah. Like, I literally had a conversation with two of my friend's daughters the yeah. other day. And These they, are good conversations to have. And honestly, they were 15-year-old girls, and they, they what they said to me was, wait, that really happens. Mm-hmm. Like, people really ask girls for photos well good for them for not being exposed to it by the age of 15 because yeah, sure we've had cases all the way down to Much blow younger. your mind 10 yeah. and 11 years yeah. old yeah. nine were the were the 10 11 you know even down to nine yeah, yeah. you you had one I, or an officer brought one in um it, it's we've had several it's crazy it's just getting younger and younger and you're sitting back and you're like i got a kid that age Right. And it just, it, it does blow your mind, but this is the reason that parents need to get involved and, and realize what their kids are doing on electronics. Well, and I mean, as hard as it is, if if you don't want to have those conversations and your child is ready to have those conversations, they're going to have them. It's just not going to be with you. And so, um, you know, whoever is willing to talk to them on mm-hmm. the PS4 or, you know, over Instagram, direct message, whatever it is. Right. They're just searching it on the internet. Right. They're going to find those answers and, you know, kind of, well, I don't know. I'm with you, Matt. I don't want to ever tell a parent how to live their life or how to raise their child because every every kid is different. But I just, you know, empower parents to to talk to their kids. And it's okay to have those conversations. Yeah, I think think we've brought up some good stuff. Obviously, everything we say isn't the the end-all, be-all. do what you feel comfortable with. Um, like we've mentioned, we're not here to be your parents or teach you how to be parents. Um, but I think there was a lot of really good information put here. I think this episode and the last two episodes with Brooke and Celinda have been awesome. Uh, we do fully intend on having them back. Um, so I kind of want to get into uh, reaching out to us um, on Facebook. Let us know. Like it. Share it. Uh, put your comments in there, what there you has thought. To, there have to. I know that there's going to be individuals out there that have something come to their mind. Please reach out to us, and and we promise we will address uh, anything that we can in a later episode. But we want that. We want people to reach out yep. with the questions that you have. There's no way that we could hit upon every subject when it comes to sex abuse awareness just within the time that we've had today. But uh, good point, Cam. Yeah, reach yep. out. Ask a ask us the questions and you can comment on our posts on Facebook on our uh, Podbean, um, or you can just message us on Facebook. Um, we'll get back to you pretty quick. Um, but we appreciate you listening. Um, and we will continue to clear more corners. Peace, my dad, it hurt.